When my son Luke was three years old, he used to love to watch Curious George cartoons on PBS. We would tune in and watch all those fun little things. And one of those episodes, Curious George, went in a cave and explored it. And my son Luke got that into his mind and said, Daddy, we've got to go find a cave and we've got to explore a cave. We just didn't have a cave near our house, though, in our backyard or anything. And so we began to look and found one nearby, sort of. It's in Lexington here in North Carolina. My parents met us for lunch one day, and then we went to this cave that where Daniel Boone used to actually hide out and do stuff there. And so we went and we found this cave. We've got a picture of me and Luke uh, back in the day there. There he is. He's a little shorter back then than he is now. Uh, but we looked in that cave for Curious George. We didn't find him, but we looked and we had a good time doing that. We also looked for Smokey the Bear because in the park there, there was pictures of Smokey the Bear saying, don't burn down the park. So we looked for Smokey the Bear, couldn't find him either. But we had a good time walking around in those caves. Well, you know, we also could have looked for baby Jesus because as we talked about this past Sunday, baby Jesus was also born in a cave. You wouldn't think that would happen though, the son of God, God himself uh, being coming into the world in such a very humble place, but was there with the animals, right? We talked about last week how it was probably like the garage cave for Joseph's family. They didn't have enough room in the house. They had all these people coming in town for the census that they had to go to and Joseph and Mary got booted down into the garage. And so they're down there with the animals in this cave and the manger and the hay and all of that. Just again, this humble beginning for Jesus in a cave. We can travel to Israel today and you can go to a church that's built over the spot where they think that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in this cave a couple thousand years ago. And you go inside this really cool church. Uh, There's been a church there at least since the second century and it's all this ornate stuff. You go down the stairs and you're there with about 5 million people so you have to wait your turn but you can see the spot for Jesus. Here's a picture of me and my family were there about 13 years ago, and uh, in the next slide you can see that's like the star that they put where they think that Jesus was born. They can't prove that, and it probably may as may not be, but it's somewhere in that vicinity. But it's just all these overwhelming emotions when you go in there, and, and you can touch that star. And, you know, part of me was like a little disappointed, like I was wanting to see cows and sheep and hay and a manger, you know, but that's 2,000 years ago, that's all gone. But at the same time to think this might be the spot where Jesus was born. And if not, it's somewhere here close, right? There are only so many caves in that area, right? And you can go and you can touch that star, but you got to do it quickly because all these people are in line and like all these emotions are going through like my head, like this is where Jesus was born. Don't have a bad thought when you touch it, right? You know, and it's just, it's powerful. Tonight we're gonna read in scripture how it wasn't just Joseph and Mary that were there and Jesus and the animals, but that other people came on that first Christmas, that first Noel to the cave to see baby Jesus. They were looking for the savior. They were looking for the king. They were looking for God himself. And so I'd like to ask you tonight, what are you looking for this Christmas? Why are you here tonight? Why are you watching online? What are you looking for this Christmas? 
Like we all wanna get home tomorrow and unwrap what's under the tree and that's gonna be exciting and all those fun presents that we're going to get. And I'm guessing that some of you are more interested in not what's under the tree, but what's around the tree, the people that are around the tree, the people that you love. And maybe you haven't seen them in a while. Maybe they're home from school or you just haven't seen them because of the pandemic and you get to see them tomorrow and that's what you're looking for this Christmas. And maybe like some of the people we're gonna read about in the Bible tonight, you're looking for Jesus himself that you might have an encounter with the living God. What are you looking for this Christmas? Tonight we pick up the story after Mary has given birth to Jesus. Joseph is there with her. They didn't have room for them in the house. They didn't have room and they've given the birth and Mary's given a successful delivery and she's okay and the baby's okay and And God has arrived, and so now we pick up the story of what happens right after that in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So Luke takes us from the birth of Jesus, right? This amazing thing, God becoming human and coming among us, God with us, Emmanuel. And even though it's a humble circumstance, it's, it's out of this world And then Luke shifts the story to a field nearby with shepherds. And in first century world, in this this time, in this place, shepherds were nobodies. They were on the low end of of the socioeconomic ladder. They didn't have any status. They weren't popular. They weren't, people didn't like them. They didn't have any money. They smelled of sheep and probably sheep poop and nobody wanted to be around them. They didn't even own land, and so they had to graze their sheep on other people's property. Could you imagine if your next-door neighbor let 200 of their dogs run loose on your property all day, how you feel about it? And that's where Luke shifts us, to these humble nobodies. Why is he doing that? We read elsewhere in the Bible that when God talks about his relationship with us as people, God calls himself a shepherd, and he calls us humans sheep. We also read that the the greatest king of Israel before Jesus was born was a man named David. And before he became the king of Israel, he was a shepherd boy. Jesus himself is going to grow up and say about himself, I am the good shepherd. But shepherds are nobodies. Why would Jesus identify with a shepherd? Why would God identify with a shepherd? Why does Luke take us away from the birth of Jesus to spend some time with shepherds. Maybe it has to do with humility. Maybe God has a special place in his heart for people who are low and humble. Let's keep going. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. An angel was the messenger of God and appeared to the shepherds. Again, why would God send an angel, a supernatural being to be with the shepherds. You know, one of my favorite Christmas stories this time of year that I just read with my son, Nathan, is the best Christmas pageant ever. Have you guys read that story? Have you seen it as a play? Have you maybe seen it on television or as a movie? It's, it's about a Christmas nativity that happens in a church and there are these rowdy, rambunctious kids called the Herdman family that take over that because they heard there's free food at church and they end up being Mary and Joseph and, and the lead angel and all that kind of stuff, the shepherds. And, and it's just this comedy, but, but it's powerful, right? And so the little girl, Gladys Herdman, who becomes the angel, 
She takes her role very seriously. And, and when, when she announces that the, the, the birth of Jesus has happened, just exactly the scripture that we read, if, if you watch it in a play or you watch it on television, she adds a little bit to the story. She says, Shazam! Unto you this day is born a savior. His name is Christ the Lord. You, you know who Shazam is? We got a picture of him, right? He's a superhero from DC Comics. Right, if you watch the Andy Griffith show, Gomer Pyle, Shazam, Andy Shazam, right? Shazam, unto you this day is born, right? A Savior, he is Christ the Lord. Can we go back to that scripture, Debbie, that, that we just read, right? The angel, right? The angel, again, right? We, we think of like somebody with wings and moving around and stuff, but the Bible says usually we can't recognize angels, right? In the book of Hebrews, it says we have entertained angels that we hadn't even known. They probably look like each other. So this stranger shows up, they're like, whoa, who is this guy? But it says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, right? Good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord, right? Good news of great joy for all the people. I don't know about you, but I could use some good news. Every time I turn on my phone, every time I turn on my computer, every time I turn on the television, there's a lot of news on there, but not a lot of it's good. There's a lot of bad news. And I, I want some good news of great joy. I, I yearn for some good news of great joy. I, I turn on my phone, I turn on my computer, I turn on the television, and these people have died, and these people have killed them, and these people have blown something up, and here's a hurricane, and here's a drought, and, and these people have drowned, and these kids are starving, and these kids are abused, and these people have COVID, and these people have died of COVID, and these people are beating up airline workers because they make them wear masks because of COVID. I need some good news of great joy for all the people. I need some good news of great joy for all the people. And the angel says, right, there's a Messiah, there's a Savior, there's a Lord that has been born. His name is Jesus. The good news of a great joy. This is why we're here. This is what we celebrate, right? Jesus came to save us. He came to help us. What did Jesus come to save us from? What did he come to save us for? Why did God leave heaven to come to the earth to help us, right? He came to save us from making a mistake that might ruin our marriage. He came to save us to, from, from not making the mistake of beating our child or our grandchild when we're in a moment of anger. He, he came to save us from the addictions that bind us, either drugs or alcohol or pornography or even work itself. He came to save us from our pride. He came to save us from our ego. He came to save us from killing each other and beating up on each other and, and hurting one another because we look different or we have different skin or different age or different gender. He came to bring us back to God. He came to help us when we do something wrong and we feel bad about it and we have guilt and shame. And, and he came to save us from death itself so that we could have life eternally came to save us, right, to, to have a life that is full now on the earth and to give us love and joy and peace and a purpose. He came to save us from being alone. I've come to bring you good news of great joy. It's powerful. And he came to do this, right, to save us. And he started out in a cave and he ends up in a cave. He's nailed to a cross. He's killed, not because of what he's done, but because of what we have done, what we will do for our 
sin and our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell, our brokenness. And he takes it upon himself and he finds himself in a second cave, a tomb. He's dead. Apparently lost it all. But that's where God's resurrection power comes to work. That's where the good news comes. We sang about it just a few minutes ago. Jesus is risen from the dead and he comes and he takes away our guilt. He takes away our shame. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He gives us life that is full and he gives us life forever. That is why we are here. Good news of great joy for all the people. Even the nobodies who were the shepherds. Let's keep going and see what happens. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Right? This, this, is, this God is, is different, right? He's not in some big palatial hotel or palace. He's in a manger. This will be the sign that you will find. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, right, more angels, more messengers have come and they're singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, that might be why we think angels have wings, right? We've not read anything about wings yet, but we don't know if heaven's high or low, where it is. It's probably another dimension or somewhere, maybe God beamed them up like Captain Kirk. I don't know, but the angels are going to heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We just don't want to hear about it. We want to see for ourselves. We want to go to see this child, this son of God. Right? This angel came, these angels came. We have to see that for ourselves. So they hurried off. You can just jump right back. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. There he was. Just like the angel said. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they don't just go and see Jesus. They go and see Jesus and then they go and tell people about it. These nobodies. They go and they tell everybody they can and, and people listen to them. So I, I want to see what's happening here. Don't miss this. This is a very important thing. Right? The nobodies, the shepherds, the humble people have now become angels themselves. They're not glowing with God's glory, but they're not flying around with wings or being beamed around or whatever it was, but they are every bit as an angel as the one that they saw because they are a messenger for God. God loves them and has good news. The good news of great joy is for everyone, and so they can't stop. They go, and these nobodies become angels, and they spread the good news of God. The good news of great joy for all people. Before the pandemic started, we had a group of women in our church who every month would go to assisted living facilities around Charlotte and they would take me along with them. They let me hang out with them, which is really cool. And we would go into these places and we do like a short worship service where we take songbooks and and we pass them out and, and the residents who were there would take them and, and they sing like old hymns, right? You know, like traditional hymns like that we like to sing in this, this service. And we would do have a short message and, and we'd serve Holy Communion. And then we'd go out to them and we'd shake hands or hug them. And it was the, the whole point was you're not forgotten. Right? A lot of people in assisted living places are forgotten. Like, God loves you. You can hear the word. You can take Holy Communion. You are important to us and to God. And with the pandemic, that stopped. We just couldn't go in. It's not allowed. We have safety protocols, all that sort of thing. And it's been hard. 
until this week, we were finally allowed to go back in. And uh, we, were, we had to go and we had to take our vaccination cards. We had to wear masks. We had to take a protocol, get our temperature, all that kind of stuff. And instead of, we couldn't shake hands. We couldn't hand out books or anything like that. They had a big table that was like a barrier in, like the, in the dining room between us and the residents. So they were all sitting out social distance with their mask on. We were behind the table playing the piano. And so we, we sang Christmas carols, right? Here's a picture of these wonderful ladies, right, who go and, and do this. And they're just, they're awesome. Uh, and so we're, we're singing the songs. And then I read the, the Christmas story from the Bible. That's like the main thing that we did, right? And I gave a short message. And we sang some more Christmas carols. Uh, and then we had to wait for them to like, you know, be taken out. Um, but there was one lady who was near the front. And she kind of broke protocol. She came up to the table. We were still between that barrier, and she was crying. And she says, since this pandemic's happened, we have been shut away in here. And no one comes. They can't come, right? We, we're forgotten. But you came tonight or today. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, that's why we do what we do, right? That, that group of women on the screen there, that's the group of angels. They're messengers for God that say to these people in the midst of this pandemic which we're also over some people are still very much affected by that and we said to them through our presence you're important to God and God loves you who needs you to be an angel to them who needs you to be an angel to them in your life somebody who needs good news of great joy in their life that you can provide you don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to understand the Bible. But you can do that with your words and your presence and your actions. Who needs you to be an angel in their life to take the good news of great joy for all people? This is a great opportunity and season to do that. Now, Jesus came for everyone, but not everyone wants Jesus, right? There are people today who don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. There were people when he was born that didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. One of them was King Herod, right? He was the local king in Israel, and, and the Roman government right, put him into power to keep the local people in order, and, and he loved it, right? He was a puppet ruler. He did whatever Rome had him do, but, but Herod loved it. He loved the power. He loved the money. He took the money from being a king, and he built all these palaces and big building so that people walk by and say look how great Herod is but nobody respected him they feared him because he was violent and he was evil he was he was a tortured soul he was paranoid of losing the kingship and so he took out any rival that came into his way whether it was a real rival or an imagined rival right he's going to put a death sentence out on Jesus but before he can do that he killed his wife killed his favorite wife, right? He had more than one wife. He killed his favorite wife and he killed her mother, right? No mother-in-law jokes, but he, he did that, right? He killed his brother-in-law and then he killed not just one, not two, but three of his own sons. Herod was a bad guy. He was a tortured guy. He was a broken guy. He was a power-hungry, paranoid man. He didn't want the good news, joy for all people, but he couldn't stop it. So we keep going with the story of Jesus. Now we're going to shift to Matthew's gospel. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, we know who Herod is. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, right? Who's this new king? I'm the king. And all of Jerusalem was disturbed. Interesting. So we've probably heard this part of the story. We call it the wise men, the three wise men, the three kings, right? We three kings of Orient are. These were men who were probably priests, Zoroastrian priests, different religion than Judaism, living in Persia where Iran is today. And you can kind of think of them kind of as a mix of an astronomer who looks at the stars and an astrologer who uses the stars to try to make predictions, right? And so these were learned men. They were wealthy men. And and they see something happens in the sky. Maybe it was a comet. Maybe it was Jupiter doing something. But something, some star, something happens in the sky. And they see that. And they interpret it as a king has been born in Israel. And they want to go meet this king. And so they set out. And it would have taken them between three to six months to get there. Uh, but it, it might have even been up to two years after Jesus was born. Because the scripture says when they got there, Jesus and Mary and Joseph were living in a house. And Herod eventually orders the death of all the boys in Bethlehem to try to get Jesus dead, right, age two and under. So it's somewhere between three months and two years when they come on the scene. And they, they don't know Herod's a bad guy, so they go to Jerusalem, the capital, right, and they meet with Herod, and, and they ask him, right, where is this Jesus? And Herod was evil and mean, but he wasn't dumb. So he's like, I'm going to use these guys to help me out. I'm going to send them to find Jesus Go and worship him. Let me know how you find him. Come back and tell me where exactly he is. And so they go and they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And the scriptures say they were overwhelmed with joy. And they worship Jesus. They're from a different religion, but they have found something that speaks to them. And they worship Jesus. And of course, they give him these wonderful gifts and God warns them right to not go back to Herod but to go home a different way which they do and then of course Herod kills the the boys in town and Mary and Joseph and Jesus they flee to Egypt but not before the three wise men right we think there's three because there's three gifts it doesn't say there could have been one or two or probably more than one but could have been ten but there's three gifts so we assume there's one each for gift right they're given these gifts and gold right is it's a that's what you give kings. You give kings gold, right? And so that's a great gift. And it's probably what helped Mary and Joseph survive in Egypt, right? Because they're going there without a job, don't know anybody, they're running for their lives. That gold probably helped them survive. And then they got frankincense, right? Not to be confused with Frankenstein, right? Frankincense is like incense that priests used uh, in, in churchy kind of stuff. And so it kind of symbolized that Jesus was going to be the high priest that offered the sacrifice to end all sacrifices himself, right? That ended him up in that cave. And then they gave him myrrh, which was used with bodies when they were dead, right? It foreshadows the death of Jesus, right? Dying for us and being put in that second cave. And so tonight we have an opportunity to give Jesus a gift as well, right? Tomorrow is Jesus's birthday. You don't have to give God gold or frankincense or myrrh but what we do every year is we take up a financial offering and we give it to Jesus as a birthday present we give a hundred percent of it away right we give it to two ministries that we believe in every year right and so we take the money and we split it and we give it a hundred percent away and that's our gift to Jesus and so tonight you're going to have a chance to give Jesus a financial birthday present right if you're here there's there's a box in the back if you're watching online you can give online and our money that we collect and give to Jesus is going to go to two awesome things. One, it's going to go to refugee support services. It's here in Charlotte. 
And so people who are fleeing their own countries, coming to America because they have no choice, if they want to survive, they have to flee here. It helps them arrive, survive, and then thrive. Most of them don't speak English. And so where am I going to stay? What am I going to eat? How am I going to get a job? Where are my kids going to go to school, right? Right here in Charlotte, people are fleeing, even most recently from Afghanistan and all that's happening over there with the Taliban coming into our city. These folks help them out. And so I think Jesus has a special place in his heart for shepherds. I think he has a special place in his heart for refugees, right? Bringing Jesus a gift tonight. He was a refugee, he understands, right? The other ministry that we support, right? The other ministry that we support is New Story Church, which is in Winston-Salem. It's a Methodist church like us. We have helped them over the last eight years. And their church is mainly made up of people who are either homeless and or battling an addiction to alcohol or drugs, right? And, and this church doesn't have a lot of financial ability, and so they rely on other churches. And so over the last eight years, we've helped them literally feed thousands of people and give clothes to hundreds of people. And we helped them start a second ministry campus because they were growing so quickly and doing this work and helped them start a medical and a dental clinic. And so we're gonna continue to do that, right? Jesus came for all people, Right? For the shepherds, for the wise men, those battling addictions, those refugees, and, and also for the wise men, right? the learned people, right? the people on top of the socioeconomic ladder, the, the rich people. Right? Jesus came for all of us, and we can all give him a wonderful Christmas present. So we invite you to think about and participate in our Christmas Eve offering tonight. We'll give it 100% away and we do that because we love God and love people now one other thing that's in Luke's gospel in these few verses that we've kind of been going through is that he mentions the word manger three different times now we think about the manger what the manger actually was it wasn't the cave it was where Jesus actually was laid right it's it's a feeding trough. A lot of us think it's, it's a, like a wooden trough, but probably not. It's probably stone. It's made out of rectangle, rectangular stone because animals came to eat there, right? And so Luke just keeps mentioning manger, 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 and that's where Jesus spent his first night was in a manger, right? Why do you think that was, right, in the manger? Obviously, it's, it's what was there, but I think there might be something deeper to this, right? In a manger, animals went there when they were hungry, Let's see what the Bible says about this. In the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, this is way back in uh, the law of Moses, God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. This is when the people of Israel were running for their lives from the Egyptians and God was feeding them with manna, which is bread from heaven, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, right? but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We have to eat, right, to live. But we're learning here from Moses, right, that, that there's other things that we hunger for, right? We, we have a soul, we have a spirit, right? We have a heart that hungers for meaning and purpose, right? That we, we, we feel empty on the inside, right? We have to feed spiritually on the word of God to be in a relationship, right? We, men, women, we don't live on bread alone, right? Physical bread alone. We have to be fed spiritually, Right, and so later Jesus is going to use this very same uh, phrase from the Bible as he goes head to head with the devil when he starts his ministry. It's pretty cool, but uh, that's a story for another day. Let's keep going in Isaiah, who says, Why do you spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Right, basically, Isaiah says, Why do you buy stuff that just doesn't bring you satisfaction in your life? 
Why do we buy stuff and fill up our closets? Why do we buy stuff and fill up our attics? Why do we buy stuff and fill up our basements? Why do we buy stuff and fill up our storage units, right? That, that gathers dust that we have to insure, that we don't use, that makes us happy for five minutes. Why do we buy stuff that gets us way in over our heads in debt, right? Why do we buy houses that are too big for us or, or, or cars that are too expensive for us? Why do we do all this? Why do we chase things when they don't satisfy what's deepest inside of us? That's a good question at Christmas. We keep going. This is in the New Testament now, in John's Gospel, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is not talking about physical hunger or physical thirst. He's talking about that hole inside of us that yearns to have a purpose, that yearns to have meaning, that yearns to feel accepted, right? The, we are hungering for something bigger in our lives that nothing in the world can satisfy with the exception of a relationship with Christ. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then he says this in Luke's gospel right before he's going to be executed. He's with his disciples for the Last Supper and he says, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, right? We eat Holy Communion. We eat of the bread of life. Manger, manger, manger. A place where people or animals came when they were hungry. We talk about bread here. Do you know what the, the word Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. Do you think that's a mistake or a coincidence? I don't. I think the bread of life was born in the house of bread for a reason, right? There are people in Bethlehem that baked bread and they sold it in Jerusalem. But I think it's more than that. I think it's something about God wants to fill us up. He wants to give us a purpose. He wants to give us meaning. He came to save us. He came to help us when we hunger for things that nothing in the world can satisfy. Brothers and sisters, what do you hunger for? What are you hungry for tonight other than to smell the donuts, right? What, what are you hungry for inside of yourself? What's the point tonight? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think it's this. What we really hunger for will not be found under the tree tomorrow morning. What we really hunger for won't be found underneath the Christmas tree tomorrow morning. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving presents and receiving presents. My family's going to do that, and we're not going to feel guilty about it, right? But what we really hunger for is not going to be found around that tree. I mean, under that tree. It might be found around the tree in the people who are there with us, right? We hunger for relationships. But I think it goes even deeper than that. I think what we hunger for is God. What we hunger for is to be in a relationship with Jesus, right? What we hunger for is love and joy. What we hunger for is to let go of guilt and shame. What we hunger for is life that is full. What we hunger for is life that is eternal, right? What we hunger for is purpose and meaning. What we hunger for is acceptance. What we hunger for is not to be alone. What we hunger for is the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. What do you hunger for, brothers and sisters? So what I would invite you to do, a few things, right? Maybe consider eating the bread of life. If you do not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would invite you to explore that. To say, God, let me know if you're real. 
God, I'm tired of having this hole inside of my soul or inside of my heart. I want you to fill me. God, come and live in me. Take my guilt and shame and give me joy and peace. Give me a life that is full. Give me a life that is eternal. God, fill me up on the inside. Right? Tonight's the night that we can do that. If we have Jesus, then to celebrate and, and be thankful that God is filling us inside. I'd also invite you to consider doing these things, to be an angel to someone, right? To give someone good news of great joy. It could be in your house, it could be in your neighborhood, it could be at work or at school. Or, right? Who needs you to be an angel? And of course, invite you to consider giving Jesus a birthday present tonight, right? A financial offering to, to bless refugees and to bless the folks who are served by New Story Church, right? To let them know they're not forgotten, to let them know they can find fullness in the bread of life, which is Jesus. Let me ask you one more question. In this story, right, this Christmas story, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and Herod and the shepherds and the wise men and angels and all that kind of stuff, who do you identify with the most? If you were a character in the story like Gladys Herman was the angel, right? Who would you be in this story? Maybe some of us are shepherds. Maybe we feel like nobody's in the culture today. Maybe we feel like we're left out, but we try to do the right thing. And maybe, maybe we have a humble heart. Or maybe some of us are angels. We want to be messengers for God and tell people or show people about God's love in the world. Maybe some of us are magi or wise men or wise women. We're educated. We're sophisticated, right? We have wealth. We have power and authority. And we know that God loves us just as much as he loves poor people, right? God loves everyone. We have position and power and we can make a difference in the world through those things. Maybe we're like Mary and Joseph and, and we feel like we've been on this unexpected, unasked for journey and we just don't know where God's taking us next. Or maybe some of us, maybe some of us feel like Herod. We're broken on the inside. We're angry on the inside. We have done wrong things and we don't think that God would ever want to have anything to do with us. But we couldn't be more mistaken. Whoever you are in this story... Jesus came for you. Whoever you are in this story, Jesus came for you. God loves us all. God loves you and you and you and you and you. God loves us. That's why he came. Right? Jesus came. If you, right, we've been talking this whole series leading up to tonight about being on a journey, right? A journey, not just in our lives, but our journey with God, right? If you're on a journey with God and you're going in the right direction, then keep on going, right? Celebrate that. Be excited. But if you're like Herod or some of these other characters that are just not on the right place with God, which probably most all of us might be feeling a little messed up in that, right? If, if you're feeling that spot, you're not stuck, I'm going to show you this amazing quote from C.S. Lewis, this British theologian that says, you can't go back and change the beginning of your story or your journey, right? Where you started is where you started. Where you are is where you are. You can't go back and change that beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. If you don't like where you're headed, you can turn around. If you don't like where you're going, Jesus will help you go the right way. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will give you a purpose. Jesus will give you direction, right? And so if you're going in the right way, God, keep going. But if you're going in the wrong way, right, change the ending of the story. You can change the ending of the story. That's what Jesus said. It's never too late. That's why God came, right, to change the ending of your journey, change the ending of your story, right? Tonight is the good news for you. So brothers and sisters, here we are, Christmas Eve. 
Why are you here? What are you hungry for? What are you looking for? Where are you on the journey with Jesus? Eat of the bread of life. Be an angel to someone who needs the good news of great joy. Give Jesus a birthday gift tonight. And if you're stuck in your story, you don't like where your story is, with Jesus, change the ending, right? I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Shazam! And Merry Christmas. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.